it's good to see you guys. So for context, we are now in July and today we're recording a reflection episode covering our second season. It's guys, it's like so crazy to think that we are two seasons in. We have 20 interviews recorded and a few community events and other episodes sprinkled in there, but it's huge, guys. <laughs> How do we feel about that? I was, I was writing up an email to uh, ask another potential guest to come onto the podcast. And, and in the email, we, you know, have the bullets of, you know, how many guests we've had and, and all those things. And like, we've had over 20 plus episodes and we're entering into our third season. Every time I type that out, I'm like, what is going on? And so it, it's, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a ride over the past six months, um, seven months. It's been a ton of fun. I've been learning a lot along the way, and I'm excited to reflect a little bit more on our season two uh, learnings over the course of this episode. Akita, how are you feeling? I feel like um, season one is very much like fueled by adrenaline and excitement and just like hope that it'll be well received. And then it happens and, and it goes the way it goes. And then season two is like, wait, we're like full steam ahead, but what are we actually doing? And I feel like a lot of the season has been like, wait, are we doing what we actually said we wanted to do? Like, do we like where we are? How did we get here? And so it's been, I think, definitely a newer part of the journey, but I think equally exciting and like have learned just as much from it as I did from like the first one. Yeah, I think that's why episodes like this and just like sessions for us to get together and chat like this are so crucial because I feel like every week we have our sinks, we're trying to get stuff done. And it's so easy to get caught up in the flow of producing content, pushing content, trying to like drum up the next thing. And there's just something to relish about getting to sit back and reflect on our learnings and where we've come. So really stoked for this. Before we jumped on, Ankita had proposed a awesome question to kick us off with today, which I am a big fan of, which is what we wanted to be growing up. I haven't thought about this for a while. So this is going to be like a really fun dive into the past of digging up some memories. But Ankita, do you want to kick us off with that one? When I was growing up, I didn't have a realistic career expectation at all. I wanted to be an explorer. I wanted to be like khaki wearing, safari hot, like machete swinging through a jungle and like find something new, like very much like Dora the Explorer times Indiana Jones, with a little <laughs> bit more it. nerd involved. Um, yeah, and I and then I realized that you can't actually like the world is mostly discovered, you know. Then there's you know everyone says like there's the ocean and there's space, and so I was like, yeah, I don't really, I'm not really a whale gal, I'm not a dolphin gal, so like not the ocean. And I was like, but I, space is pretty cool. Um, and I think at the time you needed 2020 vision, and I was already a seven year old with like pretty thick glasses. So I was like, this dream is gone too. Like we got to start all over, clean the slate. Um, and since then I haven't known what I wanted to do and I still don't. So here we are. Yeah. We're still on that journey of exploration, but now it's, it's not exploring the ocean or space, but <laughs> I can imagine a keto with like the thick glasses trying to like explore career options. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how you're picturing it. That's exactly how it is. I'm going to, I'm going to take this answer in a slightly different way. I'm going to tell you what I wanted to be when I was younger. And I'm going to tell you what I want to be now when I'm older and, and kind of see if there's any similarities in, in there. And I'm assuming that there won't be. What I wanted to be when I was younger, uh, when I got older, quote unquote, was a historian. I, I remember sitting down with my grandma when I was really young and we'd always watch the History Channel. 
or like discovery channel or like travel channel and that would be on the entire day at our house and just kind of I guess looking back at it now uh, started to spur that sense of curiosity about the world the curiosity about history curiosity about travel that my grandma I think did that by design to get me to think more about that and I think that just like that was a part of my thinking I suppose now looking back as I got into elementary school got into high school I, I remember like history was the best course that I got um, in terms of grades and I was pretty stupid otherwise in, in terms of like my high school education and my elementary education um, but history was something that I always like tuned into and really enjoyed learning about it writing essays about it etc and even even coming into university I thought that I was going to be a historian and I was rudely awakened knowing that that I don't know if that's necessarily um, a career that is the most lucrative or if there's a lot of options to become a historian how much education is required to become a historian um, that being said uh, the appeal of history and the desire to learn it I think is still a part of me and I think it, it, by being able to learn history you start to be able to predict the future in some different ways as well and so I'm continuously trying to uh, regain that curiosity um, of learning history whether it's 20th century history whether it's technology history um, because I think we can get a lot of lessons from how society worked in the past to make sure we don't behave in certain ways in the future or make sure that we do. Um, but yeah, that, that's, I wanted to be a historian when I grew up. I love it. I, I'm seeing a commonality here, guys, of educational TV shows being on the background as like the <laughs> acceptable form of entertainment in our Asian households. What was yours? <laughs> like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I just watched Discovery Channel all day when I was a kid. Like Discovery Channel, History Channel. Like there, there was no like SpongeBob or like Nickelodeon or anything. But I think now I'm like, I kind of love sitting back and just vibing to planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's almost like Stockholm Syndrome, but with nature documentaries, which has been great. Um, I love vibing to planet Earth. <laughs> it's great. But I, maybe because of the excess of nature documentaries that I watched growing up, I think when I was younger, I really wanted to be a marine biologist. It seemed like such an amazing, cool job to explore the ocean depths and get to know all like little critters in the ocean and whatnot. But that was like a, a pipe dream that quickly died down once I kind of like entered the, the realities of the world. But I guess like a more recent career, divergent career exploration was uh, I think I actually haven't told you guys this, but senior year of college, I was actually heavily contemplating going into academia mm-hmm. right after school. I see this quizzical look on Ankita's yeah. face. And he's like, what? I haven't heard that. Um, but yeah, I, I studied behavioral economics pretty thoroughly when I was at school and just have like a really deep curiosity for what makes people tick and then how that ties into like the more macro sense of what makes systems tick looking forward, I think I'm still very much so like a nerd and pseudo try to be philosopher at heart, which is why I love like our sessions where we just start off our weekly meetings with riffing about random political issues or like philosophical conundrums. Like, Ankita, what did we riff about this week? I feel like every week it's like a different topic. I'm trying to think. This week, I think we talked about anxiety versus excitement mm. we've also discussed colonization and yes and borders we talked about how borders borders um climate change sometimes jade's very excited mm. about it right now really just everything we have a great time we do we do what is your favorite economic principle that you apply to like your own life not necessarily like work life but like in your own life because like i know mine hmm. Oh my gosh, putting me on the spot. 
We got to hear yours after two, Ankita. I can give Angie some time to think. Mine is my (laughs) favorite theory is sunk cost because Mm -hmm. sunk cost is basically the principle that like don't consider the costs that are already put in that you can't get out when making the decision because like if you're running a deficit and you're considering sunk cost, you're not going to make up the money. So for example, some flights are being canceled and I can't make up that money. So I'm like sunk costs, we're over it. It's fine. I'm no longer concerned about it. And it helps me let go of things that I would otherwise get very stuck on. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's a good one. Okay. I, I have mine. I think it's, it's twofold. So one is prospect theory, which is that the joy and the benefit from gains is never felt as strongly as kind of like the punch to the gut from losses. I've been like trying to be more conscious of this lately because I think it creates a tendency in us to be more risk averse and think about like, oh my gosh, what is like the potential downside of this? Cause in my mind, imagining it, and also in reality, scientifically proven, I will feel that more than a potential gain that I have from something else. So trying to remind myself that like, okay, this fear of risk is just a fallacy that is amplified by like the psychological mechanism and it's actually not gonna be that bad. So um, I think that's one. And then the other I've been thinking about a lot lately is the distinction between trying to reduce risk and trying to reduce ambiguity. There's a distinction between trying to avoid something that is risky versus like trying to avoid something because you are afraid of the outcome because you don't know what the outcome could be. So I've been thinking about that a lot as well, especially in the context of career decision-making. So I think that's a very big trap that could be fallen into. All right, shifting gears a bit. <laughs> I was going to talk. My... I don't like talking about myself. So I'm just like, uh, was, <laughs> make it stop. <laughs> do, you want me to, do you want me to share my economic principle? <laughs> yes. Uh, oh. Disposable income. Uh, <laughs> I've always... It's not an economic principle, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> disposable income, right? You have. I'm trying to find the equation that I learned. What's it called? It's like, what's it? Uh, I don't. I don't know. But it was like something equals like savings, but like earnings equal. <laughs> You're gonna edit this out. And guys, we recently had our inaugural guest event, and. I walked away from it just feeling very blessed and very grateful. And I'd love for us to have a quick reflection on that as well. Jay, I know that you felt really strongly about this experience. Do you want to tee us off there? Yeah, this was a really cool experience. It was a private happy hour that we held with a few of our guests. It was a really eye-opening experience for, for me, at least, because um, leading up to it, we I, I was at least nervous that a lot of the people that had already come on to the podcast wouldn't necessarily want to invest even more time into something related to the to the podcast experience. And we reached out anyways, um, asked if they wanted to come for a happy hour on a Friday afternoon. Uh, Angie Angie had shared like a prompt um, beforehand, and and that prompt was, uh, "What's one part of your Asian American identity that you're most proud of, and what's something that you're trying to unlearn?" And so uh, our guests really were super thoughtful um, about this response. And um, I was just proud of us, Angie and Kita, um, of just like leading um, that conversation with vulnerability and, and talking about what those things are for us, because I think it set a really nice tone for the other guests to also be able to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I had, to, I had to keep pinching myself. I was like, wow, like these, these people are talking about such personal um, uh, topics. And what I was really proud of is that we created a safe space for them to do that. How did you how did you feel about that event? Yeah, it's fun joining these events because I always introduce myself as like the behind the scenes third member and they're like, oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> I know about you. <laughs> um, I think I had like going into the event, just like this assumption or this belief that 
people who are like that successful and that high up that like they kind of just have it all together like they know what they're doing they you know talk about it so eloquently on the podcast you know they're so like vulnerable but also like open and and inspiring and so like to kind of see them all in the same room in real time I was like oh like they're enjoying meeting each other and finding new support systems and like we got to help create that was a super gratifying experience because Mm -hmm. like like I said in my brain I'm like they got it together and to like see them as Mm -hmm. humans and see them as people was um really really cool for me what about you Angie how did you feel about the guest event yeah I think on your point on Kita like one of the main things that stuck out for me was the guest event regalvanizing a lot of the things that we hold as core values for the podcast right of humanizing these amazing leaders creating connection fostering an environment for vulnerability I think the event was really just like the apex of a lot of those things and it was just like really reaffirming to see our almost like our vision like what we stand so strongly behind play out in real life right in front of us so it was just like a very incredible event to see like the manifestation of a lot of that so I think that was like one of the things that stood out to me the other thing was just like how much nodding along and like agreement and general connection and resonance there was among everyone in the room and everyone shared, right? I think like there wasn't one person who shared something where someone else couldn't connect to that. And that makes me think to your point earlier, Jay, of like, why don't we have more of these conversations? There's just like so much appetite and so much desire to have more of these conversations. And if we can like curate that space for them to happen, just imagine the kinds of like learnings and growth and supporting each other that we can like unlock. So I think overall, just like a very grounding experience. It reminded me of like a lot of the reasons that this project's really important to us and why we're doing this in the first place. So it was just like a good reaffirmation of that. That's a really good point about the reaffirmation. I, I, I totally felt that coming out of it as well. And it just, whether it was our vision, whether it was the types of conversations, whether it was the content of the car, like all, like exactly like you said, it just felt really, really uh, gratifying. And Ankita, you mentioned this as well to walk out of that event and be like, "This is, this is, we're doing something really powerful here." Um, and yes, why don't we, why don't we have more of these conversations for people? So one thing, one thing that I've been um, trying to uh, reflect on, Angie, um, was an article that you had shared um, a few days ago. Um, it was, it was about this idea of the inner ring. Um, would love uh, to just tee you off there and, and, and just hear you speak a little bit more about what the content of that conversation was and um, and why that meant something for you. And maybe we can reflect on that afterwards and why it meant something for us too. Yeah, so the Inner Ring article that I shared, like the, the 10 second summary of that was essentially the bifurcation between doing the work to join the quote unquote inner circle of morality or fame or recognition versus doing the work and finding joy in the work itself. And the, the main premise of the article is that if you do the work for the former, all content and all work produced eventually converges towards mediocrity because you're trying to produce for the gaze of someone else and trying to conform to those expectations versus doing work that is true to yourself. So I found it really poignant and I, that's why I circulated it. I think that article just jogged a lot of thoughts for me in relation to the podcast and why we do the work that we do and a lot of reflections that I've been having lately around this motivation more generally. I feel like something that we've been talking a lot about this season is kind of 
internal versus external validation and like what that balance looks like and like where to find it because mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about the fact that like up until kind of like your first job you're pretty externally validated or at least I was like it's all about grades and if you get good grades you're good and like if you get into a good college you're good and if you like graduate from high school and then college subsequently and then get a job like you're good and I feel like even at LinkedIn in my like BLP rotational program, the sales program that I was in, it was like pretty structured to get like lots of feedback and a lot of just affirmation that like, yes, you're doing this correctly or like, no, and this is how you can fix it. And once I started freelancing, I was spending a lot less time with individual clients and I kind of had this need to be like, am I doing this right? Like, Mm -hmm. are you sure? And Mm -hmm. I had to like keep stopping myself to be like, okay, no, like, they hired you because you're the authority in the space somewhat like you have to trust that you're doing it right and that kind of having to flip from like being externally validated in a lot of situations and then moving to internal validation which I think is what everyone who starts a side project that they really care about goes through is like okay I'm doing this for me what -hmm. does that mean Mm -hmm. like when's the last time we've done that a lot of times I would say for at least for us it's it's an it's a different type of endeavor and it comes with different type of like internal processing and internal growth and I feel like the podcast has really helped me in terms of just like even having you two to talk about it and to like affirm me sometimes because I'm like what am I doing I'm floating you're in doing great Ankita that's what you're doing <laughs> thanks Angie <laughs> I think about internal and external validation a lot too and I agree with you, Ankita, that for most of our uh, upbringing and in college and even coming into the workforce, even early in the workforce, we're really looking on that external validation to just make sure that we're on the right track. It, it's There's also like another um, another kind of idea based off of some of the th- things that we're talking about, um, which is like inputs versus outputs. Angie, you had already mentioned a little bit about this. Um, this was taught to me <clears throat> by like this mindfulness group that I'm a part of and um, this Buddhist monk uh, was sharing this idea of inputs versus outputs. And I think I've had to continue to reorient myself regarding this podcast, regarding inputs and outputs of, if you, if you just focus on the outputs. So in Angie's, the article um, example, if you're just focused on like getting in the inner ring, then if your energy is so focused on that, on that output, then you're removing energy that you can put into the input. But if you can devote that energy specifically on the input after you've like aligned on whatever the goal is, then you're putting more of your thought into it, which then paradoxically increases the probability of you actually reaching your output because you're focused only on making sure it's a good podcast, a good conversation, um, good piece of work, a good email, because you know that the broader goal is there, but you're not just only focused on that. And I, and even, even in this uh, earlier in our conversation, I've been focused on the output of like, we need to get like more guests for our season. We need to bring more people on. Like we haven't gotten anybody scheduled yet. Like that, like that is the output, but we are putting in the input and we'll be fine. <laughs> we just have to keep putting in the input. Um, so it's a good, it's a good reminder for me. Um, and, and is why I was really like, um, why I really took away a lot from that inner ring article. Cause it kind of put a couple of these different pieces together for me. Um, yeah, inputs versus outputs is really important to reflect on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's all about the process, right? I think something else just to like bring us home a bit, something we've been chatting about off to the side that would be good for us to reflect as well on this idea of like giving ourselves a break and going easy on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this this came up when we we're discussing gaslight a bit before we're recording this, where we are operating under to quote unquote like synthetic self-imposed timelines here that 
are completely arbitrary and are, we're just forcing on ourselves. And we're doing it out of passion, we're doing it out of like excitement. But on the other side of it, there's also a lot of pressure that comes with that. And it's, if we take a step back, 100% self-imposed pressure. <laughs> so what do you guys think about this? Like this idea of taking it a bit easier on ourselves and offering ourselves a bit more grace. And like, and like, what the heck is the psychology there that's happening? Where, like, how does <laughs> that happen? What's the economic like, principle why, here? <laughs> why, why, why does that, why does that happen? Is it, is it because we're used to just having like this focus on output and external validation through our workplace and through school? So we just kind of bring that back into side projects, like, like, but it doesn't start like that. So like, I, I'm on, I honestly don't even know the answer to this. Um, Ankita, uh, the wise one, please, please educate us. <laughs> I mean, not the wise one. I just have a lot more time to think right now. It's my <laughs> summer of thinking. Um, but I think it's because we see time as pretty limited and we see it as pretty rigid because we are, you know, working nine to five. We like are on like quarter systems or, you know, we're on like semesters if you're still in school and, and there, there are parameters. And so I think we find some sense of comfort in setting those parameters for ourselves, but then we treat them as too rigid when we should treat them more as anchors. So like the reality is that time is fluid. Like when you're enjoying a minute, it feels a lot longer than when you're not enjoying it. Or maybe it feels really long when you're in a plank position, for example. Like like anyone who's ever held a plank, a minute is not the same as sitting down for a minute, right? So the idea that time is fixed, I think is a construct. And I say it all the time. I think time is fake, which is why I have the big one for like, mm. if we're feeling stressed and this is our source of joy, then let's just push it out two more weeks because mm. I promise that no one else will care. <laughs> which is like sometimes, okay. yeah, it's sometimes really freeing to be, mm -hmm. to acknowledge that like, yeah, no one's gonna die. It's gonna be fine. Yeah, we're not uh, saving lives. Things will be fine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that, I don't know, I think with like getting fixated on like timelines and stuff, it's definitely like a capitalism thing. I am also an, a big econ person like Angie and like love thinking about the way the world ticks. Um, but I do think that like it's a product of capitalism to feel like, oh, we're running out. Like it's scarce, like we're not getting it back. And I think kind of allowing yourself to release that and not focus on like what you produce, but how you be and like how much joy you derive from a moment or how much like growth and like love you derive from a moment is like a better metric of success with your time spent than like the output. So it's kind of going back to exactly what Jay said about inputs and outputs. Yeah, and dovetailing off of that, it, it reminds me of something that really stuck with me from our episode recordings, which is in Eric's episode, he was talking about this exact same concept, equating our output with our self-worth. And the process of decoupling those things is so incredibly hard. And I think what Eric said there was really, really poignant for me because the, the crux of his point was, you know, as Asian Americans, we are conditioned to try and earn our worth in this country through our work and through our output but we don't dedicate enough to our community. And it's, it's kind of like freeing to remove yourself from that constant climb and that clawing of trying to prove worth through an external lens and just realizing that, hey, I have value that is decoupled from the output I can produce. And I do belong here no matter what I can bring economically or monetarily. And I think the really ironic thing about all of this is that 
once you're kinder to yourself and like once you give yourself a break suddenly the thing that seemed really hard or really anxiety inducing to do no longer is and you can do it more easily and you can do it more productively in fact sometimes but like only if you let go of the productivity aspect and I feel like that's true with a lot of things in life where I'm like okay this makes no sense but I guess this is how it works no, 100%. So many amazing topics for us to touch upon in our third season, which I am getting increasingly excited about, guys. There's so much to touch upon, you know, like the idea of achievement, the idea of time, mental health, just so many topics to continue exploring. And I think what makes us so exciting and special is that we get to explore these topics through this incredibly special lens of ourselves and how we see the world of being Asian American. So, two more incredible conversations ahead. This has been fun. I always enjoy just shooting the shit and just talking about these things and, and, and reflecting and just allowing the space for us to talk about these things and, and also record it and share it and, and just share with the audience. Like, hey, like <laughs> we're just we're just normal people. We're trying to figure this out. Like, like if you have any feedback, let us know. Um, thank you both, Angie and Ankita, for being vulnerable, sharing your thoughts. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thank, thank you guys. for inviting me on.